Exceeding Expectations, episode 95. You've probably heard the um, the acronym before about SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T goals, and how we should all aspire to SMART goals, and that's the best way to achieve a goal, etc., etc. Well, I guess today David Heiner is going to turn that all around, and um, he doesn't agree with that at all, and you'll hear why, and he explains it in a really interesting and amusing way as well. Um, he's, he's quite a character, is David, so we're going to hear from him in just a, a minute or so. This is the podcast where we try to give you ideas on how you can give your customers a better experience, but also so that you enjoy your work more as well, leading to better referrals and testimonials and so on. Please do share this episode with anyone who you feel will get some value from it. Why not leave a review for us on iTunes or one of the other podcast platforms and uh, maybe subscribe while you're there. Right now, it's time for this week's episode. Exceeding expectations, my guest today, David Heiner. How are you doing, David? I'm great, Tony. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, well, I'm really pleased that you're here, and um, you're in, uh, in, is it Birmingham you are? I'm originally a Brummie from Birmingham, but uh, now I, I escaped the smoke, and I live in the rural Staffordshire countryside in a little place called Eccleshall near Stafford. Ah, very nice. And how, have you been there long? 14 years now, yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm very nearly local. So, but you grew up in Birmingham, did you? I did, yeah. Dragged up in Birmingham, drugged up in Wensbury, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and your name was actually mentioned on a recent episode because I had Darren Harris um, a few weeks ago, and he Legend. talked in glowing terms about you. So, well, I, I do about him. It's a, it's a bromance. I think he's a very exceptional character. <laughs> Yeah, he certainly, I don't really know Darren, but yeah, we had a great conversation. He's a yeah, really nice guy, yeah. And so, so Dave, tell us more about, or tell the listeners more about what is it that you do and who you are. Okay, I am a researcher and a professional speaker. I've spoken to a million people all over the world in the last 20 years, presenting my main subject of goal setting. Most people are taught to set SMART goals. I'm very contrary, Tony. I turn it on its head because my research with 258 top achievers in the last 22 years has conclusively proven that SMART goals set us up for mediocrity. They Mm. set massive goals. So that's what I do. I give people the skills and the confidence to set and achieve bigger goals. And how do people, because we're all commonly told about this sort of goal setting thing, how do people react when you tell them that? One of two ways, uh, and it's, it's a really good question because literally it's split down the middle. If it's right. the general public, chief executives, or even students in high schools, I'll speak to them all, and half of them go, but, but, but you've been taught to set SMART goals. Everybody sets SMART goals, and they're really concerned that I'm con- contradicting the norm. And then you've mm. got the other half who just go, oh, fantastic, I hate realistic goals. Mm. You should always have massive goals. And so, why do you, why are smart goals? Why don't they work? Okay, Be- simply because they set us up for mediocrity. Very few people achieve massive results by setting mm. a realistic target because the focus is on the goal. And if your focus is on something of mediocrity and average at best, hey, guess what you're going to get at best. Mm. Whereas. Um, the, the really, really successful sports people, captains of industry, scientists, inventors, academics, entertainers, authors, rock stars, even one politician I've interviewed, 
who have achieved remarkable things in their life, and they're no better than you or I or anyone listening to this, Tony. They're just normal human beings. All they do is think and behave differently around goal setting. They set massive goals with realistic and achievable steps. And, and do, you know, do you know the kicker here is that because I'm a skeptic by nature, <laughs> 22 years ago I thought all personal development was fluffy, woolly nonsense. Um, now, now I do it for a living. Uh, but but, but the, the kicker here is that because I'm a skeptic, I tracked down the originator of the acronym SMART. And do you know what's interesting? I have never heard anybody who talks about SMART goals actually credit the person who created it. And there's a reason for that. It's because he never, ever said your goal should be SMART. It was an okay. acronym for project management. This guy, his name was George Tideran. He worked on multi-billion dollar water utility projects. And not once have I seen anything written by him saying your goal should be SMART. I've seen several times him saying when working on really big projects, the steps to your goal should be SMART. That's different. Mm. That's different. Mm. That's interesting. So you said about those those interviews. When you initially started those interviews, was it about finding out about goals, or did that just happen on the in the process? You suddenly realise everyone's talking about goals in a different way. It screened out the process. I'm ashamed to say the reason I started my research, it was a hobby because I had a catering event management business we were quite good but we weren't growing the business we were good in terms of the quality we delivered um but we just weren't growing the business i realized i was a control freak micromanager and wasn't delegating so it was me that was the problem i was afraid to go back to education because i was very poor as a student as a kid and so i I started asking my customers who were like the who's who of the west midlands and they all started telling me how they think and behave, what they do differently that makes them so successful. And the thing that leapt out, first of all, from the research was goals. They, they set massive goals, very, very specific, realistic steps towards the goals. And they, for want of better words, go rhino on it. They, they have an attitude, a level of motivation and purpose that far exceeds their fears and insecurities of failure. And so why do most, because a lot of people set goals but don't achieve them. Why, why do you think that is? Because they, without sounding too cliched at the moment, because loads of people are trotting this out, is they are not purpose-driven. They, they have a fear of failure that is bigger than their desire or need to succeed. So whether it's business, personal, anything at all, if you've got a goal and it's mm. a big goal, please, everyone listening to this, have a reason why you must mm. that is bigger by a colossal margin than your fears and insecurities of failure. If you, if you run a marathon for the local hospice, well, if you're not in any way emotionally connected to that hospice, do you know what's going to happen on a cold Sunday, November morning at 5 a.m. when it's pitch black, freezing cold rain, and the, the alarm goes, it's pull the duvet over and hit snows. However, if you recently lost someone who was resident at that hospice and they treated them superbly well and you in their honor and in their name and memory decide to go and run that marathon mm. you're getting out of bed because mm. your reason to do it is bigger than your fears and insecurities mm. so so i would urge everyone to have purpose-driven goals professionally and personally mm. and i mean at a start of the show you mentioned you've talked about this for quite a long time now can you think of any stories where you've given this sort of information and someone has just something done something remarkable with it well i 
I gasp because other than my family, Tony, the thing I'm most proud of in my life is not the applause I'm privileged to get when I talk. It's it's the impact mm. we have had, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of people who have used our thing to achieve insane results. I mean, British European sporting champions, millionaires in business, academic superstars, people have come off drugs, stopped suicide. We've had, I think it's 14 now, Amazon number one best-selling authors. I could go on and on and on and on and on. But the thing I'm most proud of out of all of them is not the chief execs or the companies, it's the students in high schools because they're like mm. sponges. They just get it and go with it. We've had, mm. we've had students get mentored by Barack Obama and achieve insane things because they do it. They just go for it. Mm. And so what is that? Do you go in and do some kind of like a workshop in schools? How, how does that work? Yeah, I, I deliver the same content in the same way to chief exec business owners, corporate teams, right down to students in high schools, in large assemblies. And because of who I was as a student, I love working with those Slightly lost, apathetic, whatever. <laughs> you know, you know the, the middle grade student who can't see why you should be bothered. I love working with those. And I've got a hell of a track record in turning them around. And what sort of age group is that? That's sort of high school up to university. Right. And what, what do you think? I guess when you first walk in, there, I mean, you talked about the attitude just then, and they're probably, oh, God, do we have to do this? And, and they, it just, just turns around you in the course of the day, I guess. Well, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, you, you've, you've seen me, and so you know what I look like. I, I'm basically a little sphere, right? <laughs> I'm a little chubby guy from Birmingham, right? And I walk in, and you can just see students, because their facial expression, they cannot hide how they feel. As, as we grow into adulthood, we learn to hide with expression yeah. how we feel. Students, they look at me as if to say, OMG, what is this? And then when I'm introduced as a motivational speaker, you can just see the eyebrows raise and the, oh, to the people next to them. And then typically an hour or two later, they're standing, applauding and queuing up to ask me questions afterwards. And I think the reason for that is because I do exactly what your podcast is about, mate. I, I under-promise and I over-deliver. What they get is possibly one of the few adults who is courageous enough to stand in front of them, point at them in their face, eyeball them and go, you, my friend, are better than you think you are and I'm not just going to tell you that you are, I'm going to show you how. Wow. And if, when we show people the how, not just tell them what to do, that mm. is when you get an impact. Mm. Because if you can demonstrate to any audience, corporate, business, family, friends, young adults, if you can demonstrate to them how by thinking and behaving differently they can get a better result, they will walk through walls for you. So, we, I mean, I can hear the the energy and the enthusiasm in your voice about working with these kids. So with the situation that we're having now, it must be uh, – well, how, how are you facing that? Because you're not able to reach out to these kids now, or are you? Well, originally, no. And the only reason I couldn't originally when this lockdown started was because I went into fear mode because I, I was due to have my best year ever. And in the space of three days, my diary quite literally emptied. Zero. Mm. Not a booking yeah. at all. Mm. I spent three days just staring at the computer screen going, wow, 20 years of business down the drain. And, mm. then, and then I thought, hold on. 
these kids are going to be stuck at home with parents who don't know how to teach them. The teachers I know, because I was speaking to them at the time, were in blind panic as to how they're going to serve them. And so I went and spent three or four days collating little folders in the cloud full of audio and video content that would help them stay motivated. Mm. Teaching them memory skills, goal setting, interview skills, body language, that kind of stuff. And I gave it to schools. Mm. I, I gave away somewhere between, I, I, I haven't actually counted it, I ought to, but somewhere between ten and £20,000 worth of content. Wow. And then schools started coming back to me and saying, can we buy this? Can we buy all of it? I was going, um, um. Okay. And, and rather than me traipse around the country, I was able to sit at home in my pajamas, pressing send, and <laughs> make make money, but genuinely serving people at the same time. But as ever with everything I do, it's a bit like you, Tony. I I massively underpromise and hugely overdeliver. So the volume of content that they get, I mm. go toe to toe with anybody doing what I'm doing at the moment. Like, you know, I massively overserve. And I guess by with this approach, you can reach so many more kids than you could before. Well, I've got one educational authority alone who's got me into 43 schools with an average of 1,000 students in each school. Wow. That's just one area. Yeah. Wow, so there's so many kids now feeling that positive impact because of this. So it is. So there's, there's in many ways, there's, there's some good things come out of this whole situation. I, well, I think generally, both in terms of society and the economy, mm. there will be a lot of casualties, there will be a lot mm. of problems, but yeah, I think there's some massive wins coming out of this. And mm. I, think, I think generally the, the sense of community pulling together, people, people like you and I and people listening to this, the, people, the reason people are listening to this is because they want to be better. So mm. the thing I've been banging on about for the last six weeks to everybody that has interviewed me is skill up, use this mm. time. If, even if you're a young adult or if you've got teenagers, don't let them sit all day and night on the Xbox. Say to them that interviewers, you may not, in the years to come when you're interviewed for a job, if you're of the generation that had to sit at home and not take exams, they're going to say, so what did you do with the time? And if you say mm. Xbox, as opposed mm. to your mate who says, I started a business, I wrote a book, I learned a language, I learned a musical instrument, I volunteered, do something, skill up. Mm. So you talked before about your workshops were a mixture of schools, but also CEOs and, and many other different types of people. So now are you just concentrating on the school stuff that you talked about or, or anything else? No, again, focusing on all my markets. I'm subject specific and industry wide, so I'll speak. To, I'll speak to anyone. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's there's chief exec groups, whereas they used to be face to face, are running virtually. So I'm doing a few sort of, for want of better words, online virtual workshops and talks. Mm. But uh, yeah, the, the the main focus is on product creation and delivery at the moment. And so, how did when you first discovered this, when you were doing those interviews and you, you realized, you know, people kept coming back to sort of massive goals and how, how did you then take that into becoming, into speaking about it and creating courses, workshops and so on? This is where I wince, Tony, because most people would have a slick answer around, well, I always had a goal to become a professional speaker. And, I, mm. you know, I talk about goals. Actually, the truth for me is that I kind of fell into speaking. Um, mm. I I interviewed the top achievers and learned about goals to improve my then catering business. Mm. The only challenge is that 
I'd never set a massive goal in my life. When I, when I did my first massive goal, it was for charity to try and prove the model. And mm. I ended up smashing Cancer Research UK's volunteer fundraising records. And in the course of 10 years raising, I think it was just shy of three quarters of a million pounds. Breaking wow. four charities fundraising records in the process. Mm. And people started asking me on the back of that success if I little fat guy from Birmingham with a chef business, would go and speak to their group. And I was going, no, I'm not a speaker. Mm. No, 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 no. And then by accident, Childline, the charity, asked me to go and speak to their fundraisers. Uh, I went and gave them a talk, and somebody offered to pay me. And I went, what? <laughs> you, you can earn a living helping people? Well, mm. by Jove. And, <laughs> and uh, mm. that was it. That was it. I was off. I thought, wow, if I can genuinely help people be more effective and set and achieve bigger goals and mm. earn a living from it, I'm on that like a rash. So I started to learn how to become a speaker. And mm. here I am, good fortune and proud very late, 20 years later, to be a full-time professional speaker. And I, and I believe during that time, you've, as well as doing the, the speaking and the courses and, and so on, you've, you've like what, written books and done many other stuff. Well, I've, I've also got a little publishing business um, that publishes, very, publishes niche genre fiction books. So I've actually got over 100 books, 80 audio books and six video courses. Um, mm-hmm. I have written probably 20 books, probably got about nine or 10 in my name. All the rest are in pseudonyms and but i wouldn't advise anyone to buy my books they're very poorly written (laughs) very poorly written very badly laid out and grammatically oh if you're into your grammar you'll hate me so so don't buy my books get my video courses they're awesome value huge value this is the opposite approach of any guest I've ever had on here before when they come to talking about their books. So, well, you've got to be honest, uh, haven't you? Is it, is it reverse psychology, David? No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> do, you, do you know what it is? It's actually working with what's true. And that's yeah. something else I've learned. You know, you, I can try and hide the fact that I'm a little fat guy from Birmingham and be insecure about it. Or I can actually just go, I'm a little fat guy from Birmingham. Deal with it. Mm. I've, got to deal so, with, I've got to deal with the fact that I'm not a good writer. But I'm not bad in front of a camera. So are you basically then, what, do you sort of crystallize your thoughts into the book and then put that into a video course? I mean, how does that work? 100%. I, right. yeah, so I repurpose content all the time. So I will, um, I will write the book, I'll get it transcribed, I'll cut it into audio and get it, get it audio created so I can use audio chunks. I'll then turn it into a video, which I'll sell as a course, but also break it down into tiny segments to use on social media. Hmm. And do you, I guess the video is more impactful than a book. For me, the impact is colossal and obvious. And I'm sure that everybody in their marketplace, if they understand their marketplace, will know for them which genre of delivery, for want of a better word, suits them. If it's, if it's the written word, go for that. But mm. don't go for the one that you like. Because I mm. actually, my ego would love for it to be the book. But I've got mm. to accept the truth is that I'm not a good writer. when I'm too busy speaking and doing what I do at home to learn how to write more effectively I know that my customers love the videos so that's what I do but I guess it's not just I mean you you know you put yourself down by saying you're not good right but I think it's probably more a case of how passionate you come across in real life so which would I probably I guess would come across on a video as well I think so um 
and well, I've got 32,000 people who have watched the video courses and yeah, the reviews are off the charts. So those, I, I always say, don't seek the applause, seek the impact. And if people, mm-hmm. if it's based upon what people do, you, I, and other speakers, trainers, coaches, and consultants, all of us, we need to stop being so ego driven and stop seeking applause, plaudits, and testimonials. And I mean, you'll get the testimonials. That's the good thing if you're good. But stop seeking the happy evaluation tick on a box form, and instead go after three months from now. What have you done? That should, mm. that's how we should be measured, in my opinion. Before we started recording, you, you were telling me about um, some promotion. You, I think you, was, you mentioned about a general order you've got. Yeah. Um, I, I typically charge quite reasonable fees, both in the education mm. and the corporate world, and frequently people bulk at the fee that I charge. And mm. my old insecure self, before I learned all the purpose-driven goal stuff, would have gone, oh, 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 and, and I would have knocked my price down and caved in. Mm. What I've learned is that if you massively over-deliver, and typically people see the value and the service you're genuinely trying to give, and I say that sincerely, genuinely, those words, it must be with authenticity and integrity that you're seeking to serve and not just manipulate customers. Mm. so because people spot facts a mile off so Mm. what i do is i say yes but in that fee is included for every single delegate access post event to between 50 and 100 pounds worth of audio and video support resources so what you're Mm. not getting is a speaker who will turn up hit and run and you'll never see them again and they're off with their big fee what you're getting mm. is content that you can consistently drip to increase the bang for your buck that you're getting for your speaker. So mm. very few speakers do anything like that. So if it's a choice mm. between, let's just say you and I both charge, I don't know, pick a figure, two grand for, mm. for a day's work, and mm. I'm rocking up and saying I'm two grand for a day, but you're rocking up and saying I'm two grand for the day, and every single one of your 200 delegates will get £100 worth of resource. Mm. no brainer they're going to go with you all day long Mm. and is so what you do now with the online approach so i guess you're you're still doing the same kind of thing have you you altered it in any way or is it still the same it's it's actually still the same yeah i mean i'm i'm still just giving away tons of stuff even the people who have bought stuff off me i'm just giving them more free stuff and they're just going right. and, and you know do you know the, the lovely thing tony earlier you said about some of the good things coming out of this mm. I've, had, I've had people phone me up and say we'll remember this mm. you helped us right. on this back we'll remember this and mm. do you know what i'm going to take that to the bank mm. <laughs> absolutely yeah well, um, have you been on the on the receiving end of any expectations that you you didn't expect? In a good way, you mean? Mm. Well, actually, either way, either way, whichever. <laughs> I mean, yes, I've, I've I've had both. I mean, I, in a bad way, when I had the catering business, I I placed an advert that was an awful lot of money with a very mm. brightly coloured telephone directory. This was before mm. the days of internet, <laughs> and they they sadly. Um, uh, accidentally uh, printed my huge display advert with my main competitor's phone number on. Oh, God. And it decimated <laughs> the business. And they tried to hide behind a tiny little clause in their terms and conditions, which exempted them from liability, even if it was their fault. Wow. And I have to say, that 
that challenge to my integrity was so severe. I am deeply mistrusting of contracts in terms and conditions now. Mm. And especially large companies who try to force a 10-page document for you to sign up front. So, mm. so to me, they didn't exceed, they didn't even meet expectations. They massively under-delivered on what I thought was a really cool company to, to work mm. with. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, there, there is a venue, and you and I, we work at a lot of hotels, conference centers, and places like this. And mm. I worked at Wolverhampton Football Club. Now, Wolverhampton Wanderers Football, I'm not a Wolves fan. I'm a Birmingham City fan. You know, I'm a glutton for punishment. And so for me to go and work at Wolverhampton Wanderers was a bit of a chew. But do you know, from the minute I parked to the minute I got back in the car afterwards, I was nothing but blown away with the level of service, attention to detail. And this was a good few years ago now. Things might change. But they were just awesome. They were on it. And Mm. it's, it's a pleasure to... It's a pleasure to work with people and give them your money for them to mm. serve you when it's like that. And was that like throughout the whole organisation, was it everyone you were meeting or was it just one or two people? I mean, I probably met seven or eight members of staff in that time um, and every single one of them were just there to serve. But genuinely, you know, I, mm. I, I know a little bit about body language and you know you know, you can look in the eye and know if someone's giving you a false smile because they've been told to or if it's genuine mm. and there's yeah. a difference between service and servile mm. you know that that's what i look for you know i don't look for the slimy person who's all over you going oh fawning almost i'm i'm looking for the person who actually genuinely wants to help you today mm. and so why do you think um thinking when when because you've as you said you've done so many other places and i guess you've probably done other football clubs as well yeah. <laughs> what was it that was different about I me mean, why do you think they were just stood out so much i think i don't know if they'd been on a training course or whether or not it was part of their interview process but they employed people who had a spark people who were genuinely up on life you know, nothing, nothing was too much trouble. The guy in the car park, I mean, even at my club, I've worked there, and, you know, the guy in the car park, he just sweeps begrudgingly the litter in the car park. This guy sweeping the car park, Wolverhampton Wonders, came over and just said, oh, sir, you might want to turn your car the other way around in the car park space because it gets a bit tight. You'll get it. You'll find it easy to get out afterwards. The guy wow. was sweeping the car park. Yeah. <laughs> you know, little tiny things, nothing's too much trouble. Wonderful, wonderful people. Mm. Wow. Um, let's go back to your, your courses. You, you, you sort of gave us a little bit of information about the video courses. So yes. you, and you also mentioned, you know, so you, you've got the stuff for the kids and you've got stuff for the CEOs. And so people who may be listening to this and thinking, well, that sounds interesting. I'd, I'd like to find out more about that. So where they decide, I guess they just go to your site and you've got all these different types of courses they can choose from or how does it work? Yeah. Well, thank you for, first of all, asking very kind of you. Yeah. I've, I've got, uh, I think it's six video courses on Udemy, which is a massive video learning platform. It's very safe, very secure, globally recognized. It's udemy.com. And if you put in my name, David Heiner, H-Y-N-E-R, you'll find me. I'm over it like a rash. Wow. And where do you think, well, what courses are 
selling the the best during this? That's that's interesting because at this specific time, the the course that normally people are afraid to do because it's a bit of a deep dive because they've got the Mm. time and the headspace and where they are Mm. in their sort of emotional scale at the moment, it's the purpose course. It's the course on Mm. how to define your purpose and set massive goals. They're the courses that really going fast at the moment. And why do you think people have such a problem with that? I think a lot of people are very interested in understanding themselves, but when they realise that to actually get better, they have to use what they've learnt, it scares them because it means thinking and behaving differently. Mm. If I, what, what does the, the phrase um, exceeding expectations mean to you, David? It means... Well, that's a good question. Exceeding expectation to me means genuinely wanting to serve and help somebody be better. Mm. And not necessarily for reward. Mm. And is that, how do you think you developed that attitude or that ethos? I think it was in the hospitality industry. As I said, I had a catering and event business and we, we were quite good at what we did. You know, most catering establishments get complaints every week or every month. We had four complaints in 13 years, wow. which I was very proud of. And that is because we put things right. We were attention to detail and we, we, loved, we loved to deliver an event that was way beyond the customer's expectation. It's, mm. it's the wanting to, not the having to. Mm. It's a big difference. Yeah. And I get the impression that because of that attitude that you spot that in others more than maybe many people do. Do you know, no one's ever asked me that before. And so I, I haven't been aware of it, but as soon as you said it, I went, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. I, I, I look out for people and I don't point out to them if, if i say oh you're a bit of a mood hoover today aren't you you know if they're, if they're not on it i don't point it out to them necessarily mm. unless they're being rude but mm. um you know i don't suffer rudeness and bullies very very well um but mm. um yeah if, if someone's good i will go and my wife will tell you much to her annoyance i will go out of my way to make sure that they get respect and recognition fantastic well i mean you talked you mentioned about your are you doing me how can how else can people find out about you? Social media or your website, so on. LinkedIn, YouTube. If anyone wants free, yeah, it's, yeah. Over eh, instead of just plug in, how about I give two free motivational videos every single week on my YouTube channel for every single one of your listeners. Just go and connect. Fantastic. And um, do you have? Um, is there a book you often recommend to people? Can I be selfish and ask for two? Of course, you can, David. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm a kinesthetic, I'm a doer, and so for me to sit down and finish a book is an achievement. There are two books, both recommended to me by top achievers in my research, that out of any other book I've read have genuinely had an impact, and they are totally different. The one book, the more serious book, is a classic in the world of business and personal development. It's by Dr. Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning amazing book yeah just game changer and Mm. the slightly more wacky one which much to my surprise is the most commonly quoted book by top achievers above any biography autobiography or business strategy book this book is the most commonly quoted book when i say is the one that's made a difference 
Rhinoceros Success by Scott Alexander. <laughs> so hence why you keep talking about rhinos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 3% of the population behave like rhinos. They see what they want. They charge. They get it most of the time. 97% of us behave like cows. We stand in a herd and dream about what we want, getting milked by those who are setting goals. So the good news is that any of us can go rhino. The sad news, we're choosing cows. So it's time to go a little bit more rhino, my friends. Wow, that's a really interesting concept. And how is that book been around for a long time? Yeah, it's been around since I think 1980, but it's sold okay. millions and millions of copies. Wow. And finally, David, is there a quotation that you particularly like? There's there's loads. And do you know the interesting thing again, Tony, is that most of us think of, especially in Britain, we tend to dismiss motivational quotes, and that is a bit fluffy. Or have them on a poster on the office wall and forget about them. Top achievers mm. actually use them as a mantra. They live their life using them. So, mm. um, for example, Carl George in Birmingham, the title of his book and his mantra is Other People Try, I Make Sure. What a cool mm. quote. Mm. But my, my favourite one is, is that of the rhinoceros having it. Rhino time. Let's <laughs> <laughs> charge. Fantastic. David, it's been a real pleasure speaking of you. And um, yeah, I love the information you shared with everyone. Uh, delightful. Thank you so much indeed for inviting me, Tony. What a pleasure. Next week is episode 96 with Mark Gordon. We go over to Canada to chat with Mark Gordon. And he has a very different take on the concept of exceeding expectations. And he actually doesn't believe that we should do that. And he has quite an interesting take on that. So we're going to find out more about what he means in next week's episode with uh, Mark Gordon. Hope you enjoyed this week's show with David Heiner. Please do share it with anyone who you feel would get some real value from it. And why not subscribe, leave a review and hope you have a fabulous week. <laughs>